0: Hi, I'm Tristan Miller, and this is Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. Today on the program, I speak with Emily Winter. Emily Winter is a comedian, writer, producer, and performer. Here she is talking about her experience with medication.
1: And so I finally saw somebody, and I was like, what is going on and this guy didn't give a fuck but he did prescribe me Lexapro which I've been on and off ever since and I love and it just I'm so lucky that like the first drug I tried is the one that worked for me so I was off of it before but since last summer I've been on a dosage that I have created for myself which is a very tiny dosage um like smaller than any doctors ever prescribed me but I find that it keeps me it's enough yeah
0: This podcast is possible in part by Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Tristan J. Miller to support us and other programs like us there. I would like to thank Billy Conahan for use of the track To Be or Not for our intro and outro music. You can find him on Bandcamp and iTunes and Spotify. It's Mental Health Awareness Month, and because of that, I'm doing a charity show on May 25th 2019 so if you're listening to this episode past that date i'm sorry you missed a fantastic show everyone was very funny it has a fantastic lineup including emily winter and some other guests that will be coming out later such as glenn tickle and a few others um the headliner is aparna nancharla who is a fantastic comedian I highly recommend, if you're able to, come by Artifix New York in Woodside, Queens uh, at 8 p.m. on the 25th of May and support NAMI and the Fountain House, which is a resource here in New York City for people with mental health issues. All right, enough of this. Let's get to the interview. So, are you are you from Wisconsin or did you just go to school there?
1: I just went to school there. Okay, where are you from? I'm from Illinois.
0: Illinois, okay, yeah. near Chicago.
1: Yeah, like an hour south. Okay. Yeah, so sort of nothing. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> In a
1: vacant lot. Yeah, you were born. kind of. <laughs> There's sure. nothing, nothing there of note.
0: Okay, sure. Um, and
1: except for I did recently, what it was like two days ago that mm-hmm. I met a girl, um, because like no one from the south part of illinois like leaves ever it's just really? like all the people that you meet from the chicago area are from mm-hmm. the north and west where it's like a little nicer and um so we were like since this girl was 26 and we like she grew up in my town and we mm-hmm. didn't overlap in school but um, wow. we were like hugging each other because we're like <laughs> we got out
0: <laughs> i feel the exact same way every where time are you from? um rochester minnesota oh, okay yeah yeah, so, yeah 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 so I absolutely understand. Every time you meet a midwesterner, you're like, please uh, let yes. us all glom together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, why did you choose uh to go to school in Wisconsin?
1: You know, I really didn't want to. Okay. I um, <laughs> Thank you for I, being honest. <laughs> I wanted to go to UNC and I wanted to they had like a really good journalism program and mm-hmm. that's what I majored in and I applied early admission and I didn't get in. And when I didn't mm-hmm. get in, I was like I guess I should just kill myself. Like I was just like I don't know what else I should do. That was my only plan. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'll just like I need to go far away from my parents Mm -hmm. and far away from like my high school and I just like hated all of it and I just wanted to like go far away. Mm -hmm. Um so then I was like I was like I'll just go to the best school that I get into, which was Emory University in Atlanta, was like the highest ranked school. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's far enough away. And I went there, and I just, like, super didn't fit in. I, like, went oh. for – I mean, I just went for a weekend to, like, do a prosy weekend or yeah. whatever. And uh, all the girls were wearing dresses to class, and they yeah. were all very girly. And um, they had uh, – this is, like, before Paris Hilton, and they were carrying around little, like, pet ferrets and stuff. Oh, and wow. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I can't. I can't. And right. I just, like – But my mom came down with me and she was like blown away by how beautiful it was. And at the end of the weekend, she came to pick me up and she was like, your life is going to be so wonderful in Atlanta. And I was like, I hate this place. (laughs) Get me the fuck out of here. Can I swear? Is that Um. So then just like, I don't know, through process of elimination, I ended up like then I went to visit Wisconsin and I was like, I don't want to go here. (laughs) And then I like the second, like my foot hit the pavement, I was like, I'm home. Like, it was just like, oh, you like. You like beer, and you like flannel, and you like... And then there was, like, boys checking me out on the tour, which yeah. is always helpful. I'm like, wait a second. So you're going to tell me I can just drink and get laid? Like, that is what I want. Uh, and it ended up being, like, my favorite place in the whole world. And That's yeah, wonderful. I'm That's obsessed wonderful. with it. Anyway, long story for out. Uh, where'd you go? Did you go to Minnesota? Uh,
0: no, I, I went out here. I went to a two-year program oh, cool. uh, for acting. Cool. Um, but, yeah. Um, and you went for journalism. Mm-hmm. At one point, did you, like... And you do a fair amount of writing, obviously. Yeah. yeah, People are, you're blowing up with having read for the Times and stuff like that. Um, but what made you go from writing to writing Comedy. jokes? yeah.
1: Yeah, well, it was like a bunch of things. One, I think the, uh, well, one is that um, when I was a before my senior year of college I went to London and I mm-hmm. um, interned at Associated Press in London and okay. that summer there were train bombings um, oh and it was like a terrorist attack yeah. and it was horrible and I was there and I lived through it and I not I covered it I my friend helped me sneak out of my dorm to mm-hmm. go so I could because we weren't allowed to leave and um, so I could go cover it for Associated Press and they were understaffed and so I worked overnights there Mm -hmm. and they didn't have a choice but to treat me like a real reporter. Um, And I just that was really I just was bummed by the whole experience. I'm like I'm here covering this major news event Mm -hmm. and I just don't want to be here. It, I don't know. I just felt like the people that I admired in news were um, people like Amy Goodman and Democracy Now! and she always mm-hmm. looks so tired and she just <laughs> seems so sad. And sure. I was like, it just also made me realize like calling all these places to get like official stories from police and. How they wouldn't give you any information, mm-hmm. and how if you really want to do a good job, you have to live that job, like you have to live this serious life. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I want to do this. And then after I graduated college, I was a reporter in Wisconsin for a mm-hmm. newspaper there, and it was like small time, mm-hmm. suburban news, so like the opposite. And yeah. I was like, well, I don't like this either. I don't <laughs> care what color the swing set is at the new park, you know, like. And I was just like, okay, I guess I don't like being a reporter. And mm-hmm. then there, I had some time where I was. Sort sort of in an in-between job where I was running a blog for teenagers at um, Sparknotes. And I felt like it was a really good combo of a little bit of reporting for teens, but also a lot of writing funny stuff for teens. And that really helped me and was a good transitionary, transitionary thing. But I remember during that time in my early 20s being like... I this is so self involved. I okay. uh I don't want to be the person writing about other people. I want other people to write about me. And sure. I was like how do you get there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of funny like I don't you know. I think you just get older and yeah. then people will write about you or whatever. <laughs> But yeah, at the time, I was like, what can I do? And I just, I was so drawn to comedy, but I just felt so nervous about leaving my quote unquote yeah. stable major, you know, for something different.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, were you a fan of comedy growing up?
1: No, I hated it. Yeah? I, I, yeah, <laughs> I really, I think that's why it took me so long to get involved, like in comedy. And I, I started writing comedy when I was like like 20 or something, mm-hmm. but I didn't perform until like my mid-20s because I just... I didn't really align myself with comedy because I feel like when I was growing up, it was like a lot of Adam Sandler movies, and the only woman around that was, like, young-ish was Sarah Silverman, Mm -hmm. and I really didn't connect with her. I didn't, Mm -hmm. like... um, not I I mean, I thought her last special was brilliant, but Mm -hmm. um, her whole, like, guy's girl pothead vibe, like, sexy pothead is not me at all. I'm like, uh... It's just not me. I just couldn't connect to it, and I just never felt that there was comedy for me, and I just, like... I don't know, I guess... I remember seeing American Pie in theaters when I was like young. I was like mm-hmm. probably a little too young to be seeing it, but thinking like, wow, this is the funniest movie in the whole world, but like the guys were funny and the girls were hot. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so that's my option. Like I yeah. I that's the I don't I don't have a place here.
0: Yeah. So are you now would you say writing comedy for you now? Like is that cuz okay, let me let me rephrase. Uh, Gary Goldman's been doing these tips on Twitter and one of them was and they're 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 so good good. please I've been bookmarking all all of them oh my god Um, but one of them is right for what you would want to see and is that like how is that what you do for your process or do you do something a little different
1: um yeah, I think it is it's mm-hmm. hard because there's the things that I work on where that I don't get paid to do, which are mm-hmm. like writing scripts and I've had a writing partner since I moved to New York. We met That's interning cool. for the Colbert report, so we've been working together for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um and we write stuff that we like and it's it's a guy, so I think but our last project was um about three women who there is based on a real story who um these women in Holland who murdered Nazis during, um, world war two. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so like we just wanted to write like a fun script about them. So that felt really exciting to me. I felt like a feminist, funny, (laughs) fun, bloody, big adventure endeavor. Um, So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think you can't write things that you don't believe in. But when you start comedy, it's so hard, right? Because you're yeah. just like, you're so excited when you find a punchline mm-hmm. that you're like, "What, wow, man, do I really believe that Trump's bad? Because I wrote a really good pro-Trump punchline. And you're like, okay, I don't know what I believe because I wrote a punchline. And he's just like, it's so hard to kill your babies. But then, I mean, mm. yeah. you know, you will look back and be embarrassed. Yeah.
0: Is there anything that um, you learn from journalism that you bring to stand up
1: No one's ever asked me that before And yes, absolutely oh. It's it's all about yeah. economy of words And yeah. like when being a news reporter And like I was so lucky to have people older than me in college And at my internships and everything mm-hmm. Like really helped me become a really, really tight writer So yeah. like I, I know how to cut, 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 cut words yeah. And it's like so funny I was just judging packets um for a network And mm-hmm. I was reading all these monologue jokes that were like A new study put out by the American Association of Studies shows that. And I was like, no, just a new study. (laughs) You just said the same thing twice. Like, why? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that is just like I have so much confidence in my economy of language that then I can kind of like move on to the creative part. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, sometimes you're confident sometimes you're like, oh, my God, I can I haven't thought of a joke in eight weeks. I'm a failure. You know, (laughs) I could just focus on that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) absolutely um when did you start like and how if you were going from a stable job like i understand that you why but how did you go about starting starting stand up yeah
1: um well it was seven years ago and i took a class you took a class dork Uh, i think it's a very like woman-y thing to be like and it's I, what I've heard from improv, and I started improv, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I did improv before. I took one class, and I was like, this is not for me. Um, and, <laughs> well, that's um, good to
0: know yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely good that you didn't waste time.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> I was, like, really nervous about... Mm-hmm an improv of people because I'm kind of stupid and like, I don't have a lot of information in my brain. So like of people being like, Oh, let's, uh, I'm now you're on stage in front of all these people. And we're going to do a sketch about the 13th president. And I'm like, who's the 13th president? I don't don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, but now I look back and I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't know. It's just just, not, I'm not like that. I don't know. I have a dark soul. Um, (laughs) but I took a class and, um, I, I think, a lot of people feel this way i needed like permission to yeah. get on stage and so i felt like a class would be good mm-hmm. so i did that class and then i finished and we had our like bringer show yeah. you know and um oh yeah it was a broadway comedy club like oh, just the yeah. most stereotypical like trashy ass but anyway <laughs> so <laughs> we like we had our there was a woman in my class who's like in her like 60s or 70s and she had a million friends from having a life in the East Village and so we filled that our class filled that room Mm -hmm. there was at least like 250 people there and I just I had a blast for my little five minutes I was nervous as hell but afterward I just had never felt that good without the aid of drugs or alcohol before in my life and I was like oh this is the best feeling I need to do more of this but I just assumed that all shows had 250 people uh huh (laughs) I hear you. I absolutely uh, do. I
0: had a very similar story. I was doing a bringer at Broadway Comedy Club, and there was 250 people, oh and I'm God. like, oh, this is This, this is, is it. comedy. This is it. This is amazing. And then the next week, two people showed up to a bar show. I was at. I'm like, yeah, and this, this also is also comedy. Is comedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that's great. I'm glad that it, it, it struck you that strongly. Um Did you feel that way after your first time? I gotta be honest, no. Because I started doing, like, open mics like you do. Yeah. And... Oh, which
1: is just demoralizing off the bat. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, like, no one was... And I was doing bits that were not like I wasn't doing jokes. I was doing like characters, and Mm -hmm. I was doing like absurd premises rather than like, okay, here's a setup punchline. And people were like, that was very interesting. What you were doing, very experimental. Yeah, (laughs) and it's
1: hard until you have friends in the community to like even know when you see somebody doing weird shit. You're like. This is either going to be great or a disaster, you know? You can't just, like, skate by. Anyway, sorry I interrupted you. It's okay. Um, But, yeah, like, I was
0: doing, like, animal impressions and stuff like that. And people were like, what is this this meant for eight-year-olds? I don't (laughs) understand. I was like, in a way, yes. Um, But, yeah. um, And when did you move out here?
1: Um, I moved here gosh, 10 years ago. So it was yeah.
0: before you started doing stand-up? Yeah, you...
1: yeah, it was before I started doing stand-up. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I moved out here to intern for the Colbert Report after mm-hmm. I quit my job. So I was out of college. I worked for the summer at a newspaper in Wisconsin, and then I quit, and I... Um, Took a writing class, like a comedy writing class in Chicago, where mm-hmm. I'm from, and lived with my parents, mm-hmm. ugh, and worked at the mall. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and then... It's, I worked
0: at the Mall of America. It's okay. Oh you're in God. good... You're, uh, you're in a safe space I, here. You,
1: I feel for you, man. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, that place is a zoo. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I got the internship and moved out here. Mm -hmm. And um, that is sort of what, from there I got, from interning there, I met another intern who Mm -hmm. got me a job as a writing assistant to a Vogue editor. So then I had, like, my Devil Wears Prada year, which was, like, very fun. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, I didn't have good perspective. I mean, you can't, this is the thing, you can't tell yourself. I was, like what, I'm just an assistant? I'm not going anywhere. I'm not getting it, you know? But in the time, I'm like, I wish I could have just been like, you're 23. There's a celebrity over there. Put on some eyeliner and have some fun, you know? But at the time, I was like, what does any of this mean? (laughs) And, like, sneaking cigarettes and, like, just whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, I absolutely understand. I think every, and, like, I say this as, like, a 26-year-old. I think every young 20-something is so, so motivated and they're so worried about not succeeding enough specifically in the arts because like there's no one telling yeah you're doing it right yeah it's constantly like is this it or is it this or is it every day it was like
1: painful yeah yeah
0: Absolutely, and it sounds very anxiety-inducing.
1: I mean, I was cute, but, like, I'm really <laughs> glad I'm not 23 anymore. <laughs> like, I just, like, it's just, like, what a horrible time to be alive. Like, just, I just, if anyone is listening and they're 23, like, I am so sorry, and it gets better. I mean, Good. some days, not really, but. <laughs> <laughs> On average. On average.
0: Yeah. Um, and you write comedy scripts, too, and, like, is so, that your main so bag? So, what's
1: my job? What do I do? <laughs> yeah, well, tell me about yourself. Um, so... I mean I've had a million jobs between mm-hmm. moving here and um and now um but mm-hmm. two almost 2 years ago I quit a full-time job at TV Land. I know I'm crazy, but I was doing like a little bit of sketch stuff but more mm-hmm. like and like commercials, like scripted commercials okay. to promote the comedy shows that they had on which like I felt like it was making me crazy like yeah. i the, everyone there was so nice the shows were kind of cool um i really liked a few of them like a mm-hmm. lot um but i just felt like gosh how like i was so close to creating content without really doing it you know yeah. i was like oh it just felt like i mean i compare it to like a strip club where you're like yep. you you can look at all this stuff but you can't touch any of it and mm-hmm. you can't like get you know, whatever. Put your hands all over it.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. I've done production assistant on a few things, yeah. and I'm like, this is so cool. This is so rad. Or, like, I was an extra on a show. I was like, oh, such and such is right there, but, like, I'm not gonna actually have any lines or do my right, job. Right, right, So it is. It's this weird sort of, yeah, My one of my acting teachers call it emotional blue balling.
1: Yes, yeah. exactly. You just
0: get overwhelmed. And then recently you, um, you did this fun thing where you tried to get a hundred rejections, right?
1: Yeah, so I feel like
0: I'm obligated to mention this thing. It's very
1: cool. <laughs> I'm rejection girl now, and yep. I'm so okay with it. Yep. Um, it's kind of Oops. fun. Yep. I really like being honest about all this stuff because you know, like yeah. you're talking about being an extra, and like I know so many people that friggin' lie about it. They're like, I was on this TV show. I was like, dude, you were an extra. Like, come <laughs> on. Like, let's be honest. Like, yeah. you know, whatever. So anyway, after I quit my full time job, mm-hmm. I was like trying to finish this novel that i still haven't finished and started like seven years ago for a website and i have the rights to anyway it's a long story but um okay uh but i was like what am i gonna do then i almost got a job as a writer at the daily show but i did two packets then they had me in for an interview i was like i'm gonna get this job and then i didn't get it and oh, i was like no. oh I am crushed so that was like the end of 2017 and I was like what am I doing like Mm -hmm. I cashed out my 401k to live my truth and like I feel like I'm working hard but also just that same feeling of where you're like running in place and so Mm -hmm. that's when I gave myself the goal of getting 100 rejections for a year or in a year that was like my new year's resolution for 2018 um Mm -hmm. just to make sure that I was sort of staying on it and such like a nebulous and chaotic field i I needed like hard numbers to like prove to myself that i was working like i had a I had an inkling that i was working but like i just (laughs) needed to know for sure Sure. um so yeah so it was i made myself a spreadsheet and uh tried to get 100 professional rejections in a year i ended up getting 104 nice (laughs) yeah
0: um and was that like emotionally taxing to do yes yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you?
1: Uh, can I say more? <laughs> yeah, please, please. Um, can you I... speak
0: on that more?
1: Well, one thing is, that I think like we don't even realize how emotionally taxing it is to just be in this business in any part of it and get rejected all the time and there was something a little bit relieving to like look at this list and say like hey you just were crying and you couldn't figure out why maybe it's cuz you have 40 rejections already like uh-huh. and it's like hey you're not crazy your yeah. job is to get rejected all the time mm-hmm. um so in that way it was good but it was hard and i um i think i took on a little too much because like the good thing about trying to get a million rejections is that you sometimes get things. And so yeah. I started getting some jobs and getting some stuff and um so but then I was still trying to apply for more and and in the summertime I just like I really hit like a depressive like funk for like 6 weeks. And yeah. my boyfriend was like, "Oh, like you like you just had too many balls in the air and you forgot what you threw up there." And then you just like cuz then like I wasn't taking care of myself and then I wasn't sleeping and um so yeah, so I think it's like it was hard in that in that way. And mm. then also at this at that same time, like two of my best friends were just crushing it and they still uh-huh. are. But and like I am so happy for them and they're great, but like I was like I am so jealous. Yeah. And what do you do with jealousy as an adult? Like it's it's a terrible
0: useless emotion, <sighs> but like it's so natural and it's makes sense and it's I think one of the biggest hurdles for people in the arts oh my
1: god right constantly
0: oh. comparing yourself to other people do
1: you feel like you do that too
0: oh a fair amount yeah and even if it's not like necessarily jealous like i mean or like it's not a lot of the times i don't see it as a negative thing i was like oh that's really cool i would like to try that and yeah. then i know that i would like to try that thing mm. but a lot of the times absolutely there was a guy who um early in my acting career which is kind of going east to west these days (laughs) um but he was like he got in the union and he started like he was on netflix and i was like we were also like hanging out and i was like uh i can't look at you and not think why aren't you helping me (laughs) and uh, and that's the worst thing to do i know because it's not like we knew each other really really well we weren't super close but like proximity breeds is like why I thought all of us were in this together. We're all artists. And then you kind of discover, like, oh, no. Everyone has to just be on their own to a certain extent. But I think what's...
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, what's been more lucky lately is that, like, people seem to be, at least in the comedy community, Mm -hmm. people seem to really... At least the comedians I hang out with want to band together and help each other out, and want to do a good thing together. Yeah, there's like I want to put on a good show, not I want my set to go well, yes. which is wonderful, and I'm very lucky that. that way.
1: Yeah, I also think like I remind myself this often, uh, "What rising tide lifts all ships." Like yeah. people, like the the friends that are doing well, and like oh, I haven't seen you in a minute because you're getting famous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like um i feel like when they sure i hope they get their own tv shows and then they're like hey don't i have a really funny hardworking friend who Mm -hmm. could write on this show they would be like yeah i think i would love to write on your show i love your perspective that's why we're friends in the first place so i don't know yeah and it's like i
0: I think a lot of artists have a hard time with like the concept of networking and it should just come down to do you want to work with this person yes or no and then do they want to work with you and then you come to a mutual agreement of like yeah we should do that sometime yeah vaguely in the future um but yeah i i it is really hard not to be jealous specifically with like did i say pacific no i did say specifically (laughs) but i questioned myself um specifically with like all the social media stuff you know like you're constantly comparing
1: yeah Yeah. instagram used to not get me but instagram Mm -hmm. stories really crushes me yeah because i just feel like it's all people at their shows and Mm -hmm. if i don't have a show one night then i'll be like oh my god look at all these people who hate me (laughs) i'll go down that rabbit hole by them not acknowledging by them not even thinking about me which is totally natural and normal and no Mm. one should be thinking about me
0: (laughs) (laughs) um and you said you, you slipped into a funk for about six weeks was that your like first experience with depression or no? No,
1: no. Um What was? Um I think that I've been off and on with depression my whole life, but mm-hmm. you should know, I mean, this as a Midwesterner probably. Well, I mean, for I, sure. yeah. So, <laughs> my parents don't believe in therapy and Ooh. they think that. I mean, I actually I haven't talked to them you know, in about about this in a while, but um at least when I was a kid, it was like and a teenager and I would like ask my parents to see a therapist they would be like if you have time for therapy like that's for brats and like you have too much time on your hands and like there was definitely homework oh, to be done wow. so I felt like I had nothing to do with these feelings for so long yeah. and then in college I found drinking and like that can like you know it's like a it's a it can help for a second before mm-hmm. it makes it all worse and so I was like really up and down and then um I got ulcers when I was, like, 24, like, really bad ulcers, um, which is kind of rare for somebody so young. And I think I was just, like, between anxiety and depression and being in a relationship with somebody who's wonderful but just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I just was, like, so anxious and, like, didn't know what to do with myself, and I made myself sick. Yeah. And then at some point, I don't remember what it – like, what was the trigger? Oh, I know. I – um. I was working at Sparknotes, which was my old full-time job, and I had not been sleeping, and I thought I was peeing in my pants at a meeting, and I wasn't, and then this went on for, like, days, and so I finally saw somebody. Yeah. And I was like what is going on and this guy didn't give a fuck but he did prescribe me lexapro (laughs) which i've been on and off ever since and i love and it just i'm so lucky that like the first drug i tried is the one that worked for me so i was off of it Mm -hmm. before but since last summer i've been on a dosage that i have created for myself which is a very tiny dosage Mm -hmm. um like smaller than any doctors ever prescribed me but i find that it keeps me it's enough Yeah. yeah Yeah.
0: You're scooped out of the, like, up yeah. above where you can... Now, you have had a few full-time positions as, like, right. A lot of the people that come in here, they're, like, mostly artists. And so they have, like, part-time jobs and they're pursuing something else. Yeah. What is it like... How, how do you navigate a full-time job when you are depressed? Because you have deadlines. You have to keep showing up five days a week.
1: Yeah. I got really depressed. I was writing for a TV show in Miami. Mm-hmm. And so I had to... I was in a new relationship with the guy that I am about to marry. So, congratulations um, thank you. by the way. Um and then I had to like move to Miami and I was alone and I um the comedy scene is really bad down there Ooh, yeah. and um yeah and and then the working on the show, like writing jokes, like that was so fun and like the host was so awesome and the executive producer and the other writer but like there's only two writers in, and it was a daily show for a half hour and it wasn't the office wasn't set up for any collaboration. It was like like you were accountants um, mm-hmm. and the show kind of had a lot of problems and ended up getting canceled. And um, I just got really depressed while I was down there. And it was really, really hard because I I remember I remember like I wasn't on Lexapro and there was one day. Um, where my boss had to just tell me to go. And oh. I I like fucking like, I started sweating. I just like, I everything comes like inward with me. So I like went to the bathroom and I just like couldn't stop throwing up. And like, that's what happens. It all just goes inside and I yeah. get like, yeah. So I did, so I went and got on Lexapro again and then mm-hmm. I was okay. But like, yeah, it's fucking, it's bad. Yeah. I- so I think it's just like my job now is to control things before they get to that point and to say like, I am having issues mm-hmm. like or like i'm having a bad couple bad days in a row like what do i need to do to fix this you mm-hmm. know um so that it doesn't just like leak out out <laughs> all over your job i haven't like screamed at anyone or done anything crazy like yeah. that just like not that it's the worst thing in the world but it usually it usually goes the other way where i just yeah
0: you shrink up and i you shrink become- up mm-hmm. and i
1: make myself sick and i think people can tell
0: yeah like the uh the The things that Ursula sings to in Little Mermaid, right? That's how I feel when I'm depressed. The poor, unfortunate souls. Yeah, I feel like those little guys. (laughs) You
1: feel like those little, like, booger, Mm, like, (laughs) living boogers? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how I feel.
0: Um, And you're saying you have to manage it before it gets... Too bad. And like, how do you manage it? Is it just medication, or do you do other things as well?
1: Well, this is so funny that you say that because mm-hmm. I keep, ugh, I have such a bad tendency to just throw myself into the next thing that needs mm-hmm. to get done on my to-do list rather than do the hard work of, um, like, I need to find a therapist. Yeah. Uh, my fiance put on a, a app on my phone that's called the Calm app, so I've been mm-hmm. trying to use that to meditate, mm-hmm. um, and I've done it twice, yeah, <laughs> in the last couple of weeks <laughs> since I put it on my phone. So like. I'm bad. But also, um, in addition to the medication, very helpful for me is running uh, with my dog in the morning. Okay. Um, and it's not... I, I'm not one of those people that says, like, exercise can fix everything. Because, like, mm. those people can suck it. They don't have real depression. <laughs> like, it's just one piece. And yeah. it's like... It's so complex and I recently had this horrible thing happen where this woman was impersonating me online and it actually like made me start to unravel like mentally and I just like realized how delicate we all are and like Uh it takes so much work to just get to this very delicate place of I'm okay. Yeah. And it's just like somebody can just fucking ruin it like yeah just, yeah
0: <laughs> we're constantly i i constantly marvel at the miracle that i can even stand up right like
1: <laughs> wait what is this podcast called like the saddest thing or something no no <laughs>
0: it's called positive and negative but like, yes wait. but yeah it should be called the saddest thing it should be and that's I just wanted
1: be... to make sure that i wasn't bringing it down too much oh no no no
0: no okay. no no um not at all um but yeah that's that sounds really rough but i'm
1: not doing as much work as i should be doing right now and i know that and Mm -hmm. i'm like i have a very busy time right now um but i need to yeah i need to be doing more especially like every time i get a lull in my schedule i need to be like all right you need to get on like researching therapists and like i need to make sure that i'm going to yoga that's another Mm -hmm. one shit like that yeah
0: absolutely it it takes so much but what i found the most like effective way at least for me is like because I'm, I'm very similar to you, your temperament from what i can gather like very forward very focused mm-hmm. very next thing is like adding the mental health parts as part of the business plan because i yeah. can't do my job if i'm not healthy right and kind of coming to that of like oh, okay so i have to go to therapy as well as the show after therapy like it's mm-hmm. part of all kind of the same thing of doing work on yourself. Because that's so smart. Th- thanks. I try. <laughs> like it's the only thing that's kept me trying to move forward is like knowing that the only way I can is if you take, you know, care of yourself. Do you ever have a moment where you're like too depressed to do your job as like a stand up? Like have you ever had to cancel a show or a spot or anything like that?
1: Um I think that it it for me the depression and anxiety come so hand in hand that I've mm-hmm. been too overwhelmed and actually like last night I uh have my own show but I yeah. run it with three other people so I just checked in with them and I have like a million things to do this week and I'm freaking out and I was like hey you guys will you care if I don't come it's mm-hmm. gonna be fine right and like we had an extra person that need to get on the show anyway and they were like it's gonna be fine so like I th- yeah, I did that last night, and I was like, I just need – I know what I need to do. I need to – like, if I'm going to get to sleep tonight, I'm going to have to plow through my work. And I just stayed up till, like, midnight just working on little shit, mm-hmm. and I felt so much better today.
0: Good. I'm glad. Thanks. Yeah. It is – I think it's important, like, because I feel like – as comedians you get really really worked up like i have to be doing shows at least like three times a week if you're some people or like mics or whatever arbitrary goal they've set yeah but it is like it's hard to recognize that sometimes you just don't get to do the art you want to do because you get in your own way
1: yeah and also like yeah, I got to make money. Yeah. Like, this is all like, it's all, the stuff that's stressing me out is all stuff that I get paid to do or it's my fucking wedding, which Jesus Christ, I totally understand why people say don't throw a wedding now. Um, yeah. And it's like, I just needed to get it done. It's like, yeah. okay, I have to be a responsible person. Yeah, I want to go do my bar show where I get paid like, you know, maybe five bucks or something, but like, I can't. Yeah. So, oh, well, I have to do this thing that is, that will pay my rent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the process for the process for planning the wedding has it induced a lot of anxiety or Are you like yeah i actually
1: freaked? i'm like i mean it's a big I, deal. I feel self conscious right now because i was crying all morning because oh. i was fighting with my mom oh. um so yeah it is and it's so sucky because when this all started i was like i'm so excited to of have this course. opportunity to bond with my parents cuz like mm-hmm. i don't have that much to like you know, I love them and they love me, but we're so different and we don't have like, a, you know, like what, we just like update each other on our lives. They're like, okie dokes, like bye. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, cool, we can work on something together and like, we're fighting. Oh no. <laughs> um. So <laughs> it's been like just, uh, I think ask me tomorrow and I'll I'll okay. feel much more positive about it. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's great, but it's also a lot. And um, you think like... OK, I want to go into this and be really thoughtful about every step of it. But we ended up getting a date in July, like this July. We just got engaged in December. So it was all happening really fast because they, there was a dropout. So we got the date on a, like a really good deal, like the yeah. venue. So I was like, let's do it. Like, you know, we're not rich. Our parents aren't rich. Like, let's take this opportunity to like. And so I was like, I can handle it. I can handle it. And now I'm like, I can't handle <laughs> it. Because um, it's just like a lot of things. It's like, oh, you want the band to be cool but also play stuff that mom and dad like but also I don't even want a band and then you want your dress to be like pretty but also like do you care about white dresses it makes you think about all these things like yeah. so deeply and yeah. like how you feel about traditions and what upsets you and for me it's like brought up things about like feminism and language and family mm-hmm. and like it just like opens a million cans of worms and yeah. so I totally understand now why people take two years to plan a wedding although I don't think I'd want to do that either.
0: Mm-hmm. And how do you when you're you're feeling this anxious? How do you cope? What do you do?
1: i um, honestly this is really bad. Like I don't I I'm really glad to be like slightly medicated and so I think like but like I have when I get really upset, when when I get in fights with people, I I throw up and oh, that's no. really bad. Yeah. And it just happens. Like I'm not like Sitting r- over my toilet, with my finger like I just throw up. Like I get so upset yeah. that I throw up. Yeah. And so like I was definitely like crying and throwing up today. <sighs>
0: uh, that's that's rough. This is I'm an sorry. emotional podcast. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes um, it can be.
1: But yeah, no, that's really bad. I think like I'm not perfect, and I need I need like better ways mm-hmm. because I don't have a good way of like calming down, and yeah. I don't. um I love, like, I'll admit, like, I love, like, a, a cigarette after, like, a bunch of drinks, but I will not let myself, mm. like, have cigarettes in the daytime or whatever. Yeah. So that can, That's like... good. Yeah. But, but I'm not, like... It's like I hurt myself, but I've never, like, cut or anything mm-hmm. like that. So it's just, like, it's, like, innate or something.
0: Yeah. I absolutely understand. I... When I get to a certain level of anxiety, I'll just start, like, scratching my arm harder and oh, harder and harder. And I'm, like, I just need to... To occupy something right because it is like yeah i absolutely understand and i think it's pr- fairly common for people to get an upset stomach and and vomit when they're anxious that's not uncommon so weird. yeah and, and i think it. But i don't like
1: do it like before a big show no. you know that that i'll be like oh my god i'm freaking out but yeah. it's a different kind <laughs> it's, of it's not like uh, that's like,
0: almost excitement it's like,
1: excitement and anxiety mm-hmm. rather than like depression and anxiety yeah.
0: it's yeah. not like as emotional to be like oh there's like a hundred 250 people out there like that's just a lot of energy yeah yeah i absolutely understand the distinction you're making yeah um being we're both from the midwest yes so i would love to commiserate with you about your experience of like how midwesterners deal with emotional issues you kind of alluded it
1: oh my god but
0: i'd like to hear more
1: yeah, well, I, I don't know where most of your audience is from, but I, oh, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> we, I, I feel like in New York, it's just like everyone, it's like, it's the stereotype that everyone has a therapist and mm-hmm. like, there is something to, I mean, not every single person, but like a lot of people I know have a therapist and, um, that's just not the way in the Midwest. Yeah. It's all about push your feelings down and just get along and just go through the days and go through the motions. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think it's changing. Mm-hmm. But it's still there for sure.
0: Yeah, and do you think that impacted how you, how long it's taken you to get to certain things and stuff like that?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I. Uh, yeah. I. There's always piece of me that will see like you were saying like i need to go to therapy to get my work done so it's actually Mm -hmm. part of the work and i i know that in my brain but i don't Mm -hmm. think i feel it in my soul because of the way i was raised like this is money and time that you should be spending on something very practical Mm -hmm. uh you know getting um, another
0: job doing right yeah
1: yeah so I I know that's not true, but I think that I'm always wrestling with that. Also, I finally did get a therapist a couple of years ago, and she just talked about herself the whole time. And I by the end of it, I wanted to murder her, and I knew so much about her Bollywood dance class and her fucking trips to Iceland, and I wanted to kill her. And I hate... Do oh, I kill gosh. me or
0: you first? I Which know. One? I was yeah. like,
1: wow, you've made me less self-loathing because I'm just concentrating on murdering you. Yeah. Um, it's a so I guess it worked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But the other thing is that, oh my God, she made me so crazy. She, so she knew that I was stressed out about my career. Yeah. And I was working at TV land at the time, mm-hmm. and I was like, I should be grateful for this writing job, but I don't feel like it's the right thing, and it's not helping me in these certain ways. And anyway, so, and she knew how, like, self-conscious I was about not having the things that other people had. So then this bitch has a nerve. I get it. She's like 67 years old. i am calling her this bitch. But I get in there one day and she's like, oh, Emily, did you get the daily show packet? Because she had other comedian clients. And I was like, no, I didn't get the daily fucking show packet. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm fucking here. Uh, I just, oh, man, I hate her so much. So anyway, I had a really bad experience. And now I am like, I'm not, I'm pretty broke and I need to find a new one. I
0: understand. It's hard. It's almost like dating finding a therapist. Oh, God. I think there's been a fair amount of, like, material talked about, like, not necessarily standard material, but in general, but, like, not enough. of like, people don't seem to realize that you don't go to... – it's not like a doctor who you just show up, you roll in, and they're like, oh, your foot's clearly broken. Yeah. Since it's, like, interpersonal stuff, like, my I, – I know friends of mine that have, like, been to five different therapists and just now found one that they like. So I know it sounds exhausting, um, but that's so funny. Have you written anything about those? No. Please do. That's very funny. At the very least, the concept of like, oh, I'm going to make you stop thinking about yourself because I'm talking (laughs) about me. Yes, yes. It'll be therapeutic. It's escapism. Uh,
1: Yeah, maybe that's I should. It. I never thought about There's so yeah. many aspects of, like, your life that other people are like, have you written about that? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, it never even occurred to me because I'm still viscerally upset about it. <laughs> I don't even think I know what viscerally means, but I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so upset I used a word Where I don't I just, know. It
1: sounded like it fit there. <laughs> it did. It did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, well, it's not good, but it's funny. Um, do you... What do you think about the the concept That like in order to do comedy You have to be like upset Or like weird at least In some way
1: mm-hmm. um, Well um, I don't think that that's necessarily true I think if our listeners may know of this wonderful comedian Josh Gondelman the mm-hmm. kindest and happiest person i've ever met also i would give a foot for his career like yep. he's doing quite well so i think that happy people are rare uh and more rare in comedy mm-hmm. um but they're rare in the whole world um and i think that the, the co- like like comedy i don't know if i were in a different career path maybe i would be pushing down my feelings and being less honest about how i feel um, and maybe I would be mildly okay with that, but comedy draws this out of you. It's yeah. like if your pain is like a pimple, comedy just like pushes it together and just is like, let's see it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> um. Yeah, that's the yeah. grossest metaphor I've ever that heard. Is disgusting. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I. I mean, I get why people say that. You know, I think it. I think it just as. I think people just want to feel, and they want things that are real, and they want things that feel authentic. But you don't have to be yeah. fucked up to.
0: Yeah, I think if you're funny, you're funny. Yeah, you know. And I, I was talking to another comedian, and it's like, well, we afford the opportunity. We're afforded the opportunity to talk about it. A yeah. lot of other jobs, like if exactly, like that's if what I was trying to say. Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> but like, if you're if you're like grocery clerk, just starts coming. I'm like. Hey, so I'm really bummed out. Yeah, like you're like, hey, I'm just here to get some salsa verde. Do not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, but that's good. Um, do you? Does it get in the way of your writing process ever?
1: What mental health? Yeah. Or- yeah um
0: it meaning the yeah the storm cloud whatever you want
1: yeah call it yes dog. and no i mean i it's so hard to mm-hmm. separate it all right because there's like some days that you mm. just feel like slightly down and you power through and some days that you feel fine and you don't get anything done and some you know so like yeah. i think it's all it's all just like part of me and i honestly think like uh, like something that i mean something that i'm proud of is that i am good at identifying my emotions and putting them on paper Mm -hmm. um and so it doesn't come up in every joke and in every like especially for like paid a lot of my paid stuff like it's not but the feelings of I don't know like it all comes down to feelings and if you're feeling stuff like Mm -hmm. you're gonna connect you connect with words and you connect with things and those feelings don't necessarily have to be bad but like sometimes I think it I don't know. I, I mean, writing that New York Times piece, what people told me they remembered from it is the feelings of jealousy and the feelings of, or like the idea of like crying on the floor and having gross spit come out. And I'm like, I'm not afraid to write like that. I like to write about those times uh, because it connects me with other people. When other people tell me I've done that exact same thing, I feel amazing. I feel great. And so... In a way, it, it like creates something to write about. I don't know, um, but I also I just I just think you can't quite separate, you know. But I also am not afraid of drugs and medication. When I went on Lexapro, my writing partner got furious at me, really? and he's not even Midwestern. Um, yeah. And he was like, you are going to be so much less funny. I can't believe we've been working together and you're going to bail on me like this. And he was so wrong. And I've been so much more productive when I'm not in a dark cloud of sadness. You know, Mm -hmm. I think you just have to figure out how to treat yourself and um, make it work. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
0: that absolutely makes sense. And I think, like, a huge part of being depressed that I think a lot of people don't understand is, like, the brain fog situation Mm -hmm. where you're just like i can't what's happening i'm confused i just don't know what's going on i Mm. can't like that's
1: interesting my depression is different but yeah
0: yeah Yeah, because a lot of that's fair and a lot of people like that doesn't make them even if you're like just slightly less energetic or whatever like you're going to you're going to feel more productive when you have the energy to be more productive i get
1: exhausted yes Yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: absolutely Um, do you feel guilty when you're not working? Like, if you take a vacation?
1: Oh, no. No? I don't feel guilty about taking vacations, but it's so hard because, one, I don't take vacations,
0: really. (laughs) So, conceptually, you don't, but... Uh,
1: I do go with my parents, have, like, a little place, and so I I go visit them once uh, a year, but, um... It's hard because I don't because our lives are so weird in these jobs, I don't mm-hmm. know what the right amount of um, play versus like I, mm-hmm. I work through the weekends. But then I'll go out and get like wasted on a Monday night with a great <laughs> friend and like it'll be so fun. But then I'll feel super guilty and I'll be like, Oh shit, now it's Tuesday and I'm groggy mm-hmm. and like did I deserve that? What do I deserve? Like what do should I give myself? And so I think if I you know, maybe I should be like logging my hours because I know that I'm working
0: That's like smart. 60
1: hours a week. I know yeah. that Ooh. like like with comedy, too, though, with yeah. like stand up and like I would of between course. shows and writing. I'm working like 60 hours a week. But then I get so mad at myself when I like, I don't know, Take, go out. But yeah. yeah, but a vacation, I'm very good at being like, nope, goodbye. <laughs> or You know, I mean, it's been a long time, but yeah.
0: Yeah. That's that's good. I'm glad you have, at least have one time where you can be like, in this parenthetical, nothing is Do a
1: lot in. of people say that they have trouble with that? I don't know
0: if a lot of people do, but mm-hmm. I know I do. You do? Yeah. I'm constantly, even on a day off, I'm like, hey, so I know I don't have anything due, but I know I want to get ahead. Right. I know I constantly want to be I'm like a shark. I can't stop moving forward.
1: Yeah. I can't watch TV. Like, I oh, yeah. not mm-hmm. I just always have my laptop on my lap, and I'm always like, oh, our... You know, I have to invoice for these articles I wrote. I mm-hmm. uh, my wedding website needs this, and well, I just can't. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And do you think that's anxiety, or do you think that's like a form of hyperactivity?
1: Oh, I think that. Um, I think that this whole world fucking sucks, and <laughs> it's not my. And now I got to deal with it. That's what's happening. There's okay. Too many things. How is it that I can barely pay my rent and my bills, and I'm working like crazy, mm-hmm. and like it's like it's if. If everyone, I don't know, if I didn't have so much to do, then I would be like probably a little more chill. Maybe I would make stuff for me to do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I It's the only way to get ahead in my, my career and to pay my bills and to be a normal friend. Oh, I got to fucking respond to this email and we got to go make a plan because my friend, it's her birthday and we got to fucking do this. And it's like. Mm-hmm. I got to do all these things. Mm -hmm. If you don't do them, then you're an asshole. Or you didn't pay your bills. Like, you just got to, like, everything is terrible and everything, I am so, like, mad about, like, the fakeness of the gig economy. It doesn't, like, as a freelancer, I'm fucking killing myself. And so, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. like, it's, like, of course I'm working all the time, you know? You're dropping a ball if you're not, which sucks.
0: Yeah. That doesn't seem particularly fair. And then you also get the benefit of no benefits. So it's a benefit of no benefits. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. That sounds incredibly frustrating. And I don't know, like, my girlfriend is also a freelancer, Mm -hmm. and I see it every month. She's like, like, like this whole last week, she's like, I don't have anything booked.
1: Yeah. For Mm
0: -hmm. the next, like, two weeks. I don't know what is going to happen. Right. And I'm like, that sounds terrifying and something I would never do. And I'm sorry you're going through this. Yeah, that sounds like it's very anxiety-inducing. But you... it's
1: also, like, exciting to be able to oh, be yeah. the, you know, orchestrator of your own life. Like Absolutely. when you're not in a job that you – I mean, it's different, I think, if you're going to a job every day that you're like, I I don't like getting out of bed and going to work, but ultimately this is the job for me, mm-hmm. Um, which I've been lucky enough to have a few of those before. And, like, I love a couple of my, like, big freelance jobs that are, like – they're fucking great, but what I love also about them is that – I go into the office for our writer's meetings and that's it. And then I write from home, you know? And that's so amazing. it's wonderful, but on the flip side, I'm broke. You yeah. Know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I would say I would also say a lot of people are broke and they have nine to five jobs.
1: True, true, true. Yeah. So
0: like it's one of those things of like hopefully the the pros outweigh the cons for the freelancing mm-hmm. thing.
1: Absolutely, they do. Yeah. yeah. Which is
0: wonderful. Um what what would you say what would your Biggest piece of advice for specifically a comedian from the Midwest. If they say a comedian from the Midwest is moving here. Mm -hmm. What would your biggest advice be if they were also depressed? Depressed from the Midwest.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, one is I think it's. uh, uh, There's a lot of layers to this question. I'm sorry. I think that you'll find a home here because everyone is so willing to talk about. I mean, look, I come on this podcast, we just met, and yep. I'm fucking crying, talking about medication. <laughs> like, that is not a Midwest... This is not a Midwest no. conversation. Um, And uh, it's so great and so it's just wonderful and freeing to be around creative people that are so open about their uh, mental issues and, um, yeah, and the cost of being an artist uh, mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think you will love it, but... I don't know how you find a cheap therapist. Still have not cracked (laughs) that one. Um, Yeah.
0: What I will say about that is there's this place called the White Institute. Um, It's through NYU. And they do, if you're doing like talk therapy, and I think they do some trauma maybe, um, but they do talk therapy. They don't really like CBT or anything like that. But it's sliding scale. Oh, great. So if you are like, if you make... $200 Two hundred dollars a month—they're not going to charge you that kind of thing. Great, and I uh, highly recommend them there.
1: Maybe I should check them out. Yeah,
0: there's also like a couple of resources that are like free to cheap therapy, and it's, it's also like, and you're kind of talking with the gig economy. It is like the other cost of therapy is that hour. Yeah, and absolutely. convincing yourself like, um. And is this th- going to benefit literally me? Literally
1: that three hours because mm-hmm. it takes, you know, especially if it's in Manhattan and we all live in Brooklyn and Queens. And...
0: Mm-hmm. Forget about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it is, like, I think worth, the it, worth it in the long run. You get the longevity of knowing yourself and being a better artist because of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's lovely.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, and I also want to thank you for doing this. We're... Thanks
1: for having me. This yeah. is a great podcast, oh. and I love how you just got right in because I, I really appreciate that about people. I love mm. people that just, like, dive in, and I am always willing to do it. Um, but I will just beat around the bush and do social niceties for way too long, and I really appreciate <laughs> your style.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, thank you very much.